Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. We're going to go back and look at the tape. It's going to be fundamentals. It's going to be the coach and the players. We have to be able to execute better. Fields. I think just look at the positive things, of course, watch the film and see where we need to grow and keep getting better. We're going to play teams that have good rosters. You want to be good, guess what? you got to play and compete against those guys. So we just got to execute better. Now, it's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's Kevin Powell. This is episode 52 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell, live from Hallis Hall. It's such a nice day out. We decided to record the podcast outside. Also because we couldn't find anywhere else to record inside. But it is a beautiful day. Joined by Herb Howard from the Bigs, who does a great job covering the Bears. Where do we begin, Herb? We just heard from Matt Eberflus, Chase Claypool, and uh, Justin Fields. I guess just your initial reaction to, let's start with Roquan. That trade, um, they continue to say they just couldn't find common ground when it came to the contract. Your reaction to the Roquan deal? Yeah, KP, like you said, there's been so much going on. And so, you know, it's a full house in there, hard to find a place to record. But it gets 60s in November in Chicago. We won't complain about that. But uh, Roquan, I think it was something that uh, people have been watching. You can kind of see it coming. I think at some point it became apparent, at least to Ryan Poles, that he and Roquan were not going to be able to find a common ground in terms of the contract negotiations for an extension. And certainly they weren't going to let him go for nothing in free agency. And... My thinking is if he wasn't willing to give him whatever his demands were, let's say it's $20 million, then he didn't want to franchise tag him at nearly that price next year anyway. And so um, obviously it came to a space where it didn't seem like the the, the extension was going to happen, and then you have to go out and figure out what you can get for him as opposed to just letting him go for free and free agency. Matt Eberflus was actually presented sort of a hypothetical or at least – when Iberflus was with the Colts, and during the draft where Roquan was selected in 2018, and the Colts select were picking five. They went Quentin Nelson in that draft, and this was brought up. It was kind of interesting to hear Iberflus' reaction to it, where he almost was like, "Well, an off-ball linebacker at the fifth spot. I don't, I don't think we would have went that route." Yeah. And the Bears took it off-ball linebacker three spots after that. I am by no means taking anything away from Roquan Smith, who was a phenomenal football player. But you get the sense that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus might not place the same sort of value on Roquan in that particular position in this defense. Did you read it the same way? Yeah, he, uh, he, you know, he tried to put it on, on Ballard, the GM. I don't right. think Ballard would want to go that, that high off the ball for a linebacker. But I think that it, it has been evident. They don't really view the position in terms of the value right there, not necessarily the football player individually. I think anybody that evaluates Roquan Smith individually as a football player will tell you he's a phenomenal football player. He's obviously leading the league in tackles. He's got two interceptions this year. He's got a couple sacks. He is a baller on the field. Now, just how much do you value the position that he plays? And if you value other positions, be it wide receiver, edge rusher, corner, offensive tackle, whatever it is, then maybe you just aren't willing to invest as heavily at that particular spot. Uh, Flus was also asked to compare Roquan uh, to Shaquille Leonard, who he had 
with the Colts, and he referred to the ball production, terms of taking the ball away, turnovers, and those types of things. And so, uh, I don't think that Ibrahim nor Poles would would tell you anything other than Roquan Smith is a phenomenal football player. And I think they genuinely believe that, but I just don't think they have the value for the position that he plays in this defense. And I think the transparency from the Bears so far has been good, a little bit different than previous regime. But Ryan Poles isn't afraid to to talk to reporters. He did it in New England before a game, which we haven't seen in a long time. Um, He's been available, and I think they've given – I think for the most part you keep hearing we couldn't find common ground on the contract, but I think they've given us, given us enough to understand the thought process through it. I think fans appreciate it. I know we appreciate hearing from the general manager more often. Yeah, it's definitely a welcome change. When things happen, you should come out and, and address it and stand in front of those things. But that being said, it doesn't have to, and a lot of GMs will hide behind the fact that I don't have to. And you may maybe hear from them three, maybe four times a year before the draft, after the draft, and maybe a postseason kind of uh, press conference. But you know, every time something that's come up, Ryan Poles has come and addressed it. He's been transparent. Now, are they always going to tell you 100% true? No, there are some things that have to go on behind the scenes. But to his credit, he's been willing to come out and address these things. And, you know, whether you think he's right or wrong doesn't really matter. Only time will tell if he's right or wrong about all the moves he's making. But I will say this for Ryan Poles. He is a man that has a plan, and he has not deviated from that plan since he's been here. And I respect that, if nothing else. So they make a move for Chase Claypool, which... And I'm glad Ryan Poles brought this up, too, because we've been talking so much about the salary cap space and the money coming off the books and all of that and how much they'll be able to add via free agency. And then you look at the receivers in the free agency group coming up. And all due respect to all these upcoming free agents, none of them are really big-time difference makers or anybody you commit a large amount of money to. Chase Claypool cost them a second-round pick. And, yes, of course you would have liked to send the Baltimore second-rounder, but sounds like there were other teams, including the Packers, that were interested in it. Um, and for the Bears to be able to pry Claypool away from the Steelers and beat other teams, it took the Bears' uh, original second-round pick. Um, I like the deal because it addresses an obvious need for the Bears. Um, what did you think of the, the Chase Claypool deal? Yeah, I'm with you on in terms of the, you know this upcoming free agents wide receiver class just not being that top heavy in terms of elite difference making receivers. And so uh, if you can go out and get a guy who still has not only this year but another year left on his contract to kind of see can he gel with with Justin Fields, can he reach his fullest potential? Because I don't think that Clay, Chase Claypool has reached his full potential yet, and maybe this can be the place where he's able to do that. And then you can kind of go into the offseason with at least one of one more question answered in terms of wide receiver, and then you can look into the draft and see what you can do there and so I, I, I like you know bringing him on it certainly would have been nice if they were able to um, leverage the Ravens second round pick because that's going to be you know a little bit lower than where the Bears second round pick is probably going to be but that being said I think you know you, you add another weapon to Justin Fields you got another big body target we saw what NQ Harry was able to do with him being back and healthy and kind of being that big body receiver EQ's also another big body receiver and so you now you've got three guys plus Cole Komet that are large, big receivers that you can add and mix around with, with Darnell Mooney. And, and, and Chase Claypool mentioned Darnell Mooney and how they both have kind of these uh, differing skill sets that should be uh, fun to play off of each other. And so I'm excited to see what he can bring. I'm not going to say that, he, you know, he's this huge, you know, difference maker. Maybe he is. I'm not willing to say that just yet. But I think certainly he's a welcome addition to the to the offense. And the skill set in the build is what gets you excited. He has size and speed. 6'4", 240 type guy, a guy who can go up and get it you know even looking back to that Dallas game there were a few throws that yeah maybe Justin Fields didn't put right on the money but they were deep ball throws and there was little adjustment made from the receivers even that that opening go route to to I believe that was St. Brown 
it was underthrown, no doubt. But like, there have been moments this season where you're like, can somebody adjust and make a play? And you hope Chase Claypool is that guy. Now, for Claypool, his first two seasons over 800 yards receiving at each season. This year, production a little down, and he just got done talking to us and even addressed that, that they moved him from uh, more into the slot this season. Maybe he wasn't as comfortable. Let's keep in mind, too, the Steelers, over the past few years, that offense, I mean, you had an aging, beat-up, old Ben Roethlisberger who was not the same. This was not the offense that was throwing Antonio Brown for 1,800 yards. And then this year, you got Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to say Trubisky's name nice and uh, quiet around these parts. Um <laughs> So I know some have pointed to that, like, ah, well, his production might not be the same as his – like, look what – like, we know how it is here, right? Like, Darnell Mooney's a stud, and he's not putting up numbers that you'd expect from a guy like Darnell Mooney. I think Chase Claypool is going to fit in really well into this offense. Yeah, I think he should fit in well, too, it's because of the things you talk about, you know, the in, the intangibles that he has or the tangibles that he has, the size, the speed, those types of things that you can't really – teach and you can't coach those types of things I think that's definitely going to uh, play well and it's going to allow you again to kind of move Darnell Mooney around and maybe you keep Chase on the outside maybe you get Mooney in the slot a little bit more and try to create some mismatches there and so I definitely think that he's going to bring something and you know in terms of the lack of production in, in what with Pittsburgh this year, you got these new quarterbacks coming in. Mr. Trubisky's trying to learn the system. You got a rookie he's playing with. You talk about Big Ben and being on the back end of his career. And so, again, I just don't think that he's had the opportunity to reach his full potential. But I think he has the tools. And if, if he can begin to realize some of that potential, I think that's going to be a very, very good thing for Justin Fields because when Justin, you know, it, when he has a full complement of, of pieces around him, yeah. I think you're going to obviously see him play at his best. I think Justin has all the tools that you need to be a franchise elite-level quarterback in this league. And some of those throws you talk about, could he be a little bit more accurate? Sure, on some of those throws. But there are also times when he's been perfectly accurate and still didn't complete the throw. <laughs> right. I mean, complete the you know the catch. And so um, those things have to have to happen for you. You see the ball down the sideline to Valus Jones. You see the early one to EQ. Surely, surely it was underthrown. But some you got to come down for that. Sometimes you got to help your quarterback out a little bit. And I think that the more guys that you can kind of surround him with that will make the play even on a less than perfect throw, the better off he's going to be, and the more confident he's going to be in terms of stepping and throwing. Yeah, and look, I, I, you and I have talked about Fields even before the season started where I felt really good about him because I think he possesses everything you could possibly want in an NFL quarterback. What is he missing? Nothing, right? He has everything you could want and more. It's a matter of putting the execution in place and putting players around him and making him confident and all those sorts of things. I think we've seen some real progress from Justin Fields, which is encouraging, obviously. You wanted to see that and you wanted to give a, a proper evaluation on it. I think absolutely, and Poles addresses too. Like I think his play also kind of pushed them to make this move to go get a Chase Claypool, who, as you mentioned, they have the luxury of another year and a half or so of deciding what they want to do with Claypool because of his contract situation, that rookie deal. Um, I think Justin Fields playing well and showing flashes, as Ryan Poles has has referred to it, that he wants that's what he wants to see out of a young quarterback. Yeah. So I think I think them playing well and, and building some momentum, I think that definitely led to them making this move. Yeah, it's, it's a part of the process. I think this year is just about you know identifying some of the young pieces that they are certain they want around when this team is truly ready to compete for a championship. And I think you go into next year having answered some of those questions, you bring in some more young talent, they should take that next step in terms of competing, maybe be competing for a playoff spot next year. But I think going into that following year, right, that 24 
25 season, going into there, those are the years where there really should be an open window for this team to compete for a championship. It's the last two years of Justin's rookie deal, and I think that's when they'll be able to say, okay, we've got everything except this or except that. And so then you'll be able to invest heavily in, in, in those spaces to say this is our missing piece, wherever it is, whether it's a, a defensive line, an offensive line, whatever it may be. And I think that Chase Claypool gives them another person that they can feel good about and they got a season and a half to evaluate them to be certain. And if they and if 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 he's able to answer that in the affirmative, then that's one more thing they've been able to answer. And I think that you know, anytime you add to the roster, it's always good to kind of push people down, right? A lot of times in, for the Bears, especially at wide receiver, you know, we've added from the bottom, and this guy, maybe he can come in and be the fourth or the third. Chase Claypool comes in, and I think that he can be perhaps your one, maybe your two, right? And if you can push guys down the depth chart, that's always a good thing. And you you actually asked Matt Eberflus about this, and I think Justin, too. He asked both, both of them. Um, and look, this defense hasn't been all that great this year, especially when it comes to the run defense. The play of the defense this season doesn't matter a whole lot. I mean, it, it does, but it kind of doesn't because the whole idea here is to build a franchise quarterback and an offense that could have sustained success and be a powerhouse. That's what great teams around the NFL they didn't get better, obviously, moving on from Roquan Smith. This this could be a very rough stretch for the defense over the you know second half of the year here. But the question you asked, which I think is you know is definitely something to think about because the way this team has played, which has been tough and gritty, and and I know Dallas they lost by twenty, but it didn't exactly feel like they lost by twenty because they came back and they kept fighting, and we've seen that all year from them. And then you trade Roquan and Robert Quinn. And I think you've got to be careful about not completely losing the locker room. I think Matt Eberflus said all you can say, which is transparency and be honest. They have their leadership council, which is made up of 13 players or whatever it is. That that absolutely should be something that, that Matt Eberflus and the coaching staff have to keep an eye on the rest of the way. Yeah, no doubt. There's, there's a natural conflict between the head coach and the general manager, right? Iberflus is charged with doing everything he can to win this week's game. Ryan Poles is charged with doing everything he can to look out for the greater good and the long-term sustainability of this franchise. And those two things aren't always the same. That's not to say, certainly, that Ryan Poles doesn't want to win this week's game. He definitely does. But he has to do things that, that looks out for the future. And, you know, you trade away Roquan Smith, you trade away Robert Quinn, that does not help this team this year. There's no way around it. It's not talking about, you know, it creates opportunities for young guys. Sure it does, no doubt. But it doesn't make you a better football team this year. That being said... How can Flus go out into the locker room and sell that to these guys? How can he make sure that they aren't viewing this? Okay, we're waving the white flag. This season doesn't matter. You got to have guys that still want to compete. And I think that they have such a young roster and guys that are just genuinely trying to prove themselves that they will continue to fight. And like you said, we've seen that from them all season. They're going to fight you for four quarters. They're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to make a whole lot of you know uh, self defeating mistakes. And so I think this team will continue to fight. But you know, fight or not, you got to have some horses, and and they've got horses going out the door and not coming in. Yeah, it'll be a rough go of it for the defense. I do expect, though, with you when you have a head coach like Matt Eberflus, who's who's been a defensive-minded coach his entire career, as ugly as it got against Dallas, and I know they've got a tough opponent when it comes to the Dolphins on Sunday, and they've got some serious weapons on the offensive side of the ball. (laughs) We'll get into that in just a second, but you got to at least hope that Matt Eberflus can can limit this sort of defensive beating like it was in Dallas. 
Yeah, you you would hope so, right? But again, again, you know, scheme takes you so far, and you know, game planning takes you so far, and then you got to have some guys on the field, right? It's 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 about the guys on the field. Can they actually get the job done? And you know, again, you know, for for every for everything they lack in talent, they make up for in, in heart and grit and toughness. But I don't know how toughness is going to help you keep up with Cheetah and Jalen Waddle, like you know what I mean and so you got to be able to uh, get a pass rush and I don't know how they're going to go about manufacturing it recently in the past few weeks they've been manufacturing it via some timely blitzes bringing the linebackers bringing some DBs we've seen Jaquan Briscoe get sacks we've seen Roquan Smith get sacks and so I don't know how he goes about trying to manufacture a pass rush and not leaving his secondary to cover that kind of speed for four, five, six seconds. Uh, they're going to have to do some really, really creative things in terms of the coaching staff and get these guys ready to go. It's a, it's a, it's a huge task that, that Flues and, and the D.C. coach, Allen Williams, is, 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 are charged with. Tyreek Hill, by the way, on pace for over 2,000 yards receiving this year. Just having a monster season. Uh, two is back and fully healthy. How, how do you expect Sunday's game? What's what's your prediction for uh, for Sunday? I, wh- An offensive shootout? The Bears and the Dolphins? <laughs> Hey, listen. I mean, the the the, off, the offense has certainly taken a lot of steps forward here in recent weeks. I think even going back to to Minnesota, you start to try to see them get things together in in the second half. They obviously had the game with Washington where the offense didn't do anything. But I think that you know the last two weeks they've put up sixty two points. That's a really really good thing. And I think you know you bring in Chase Claypool if he can get himself quickly acclimated and maybe he's ready to go for them on Sunday. Uh, they could continue to uh, put points on the board, but more importantly, kind of uh, play time possession, right? Be on the field. If you can keep Cheetah and those guys on the sideline, they can't hurt you. And so uh, they got to be able to su- sustain drafts offensively and and use the offense to help out the defense. I mean, that's strange to say in Chicago. Usually it's kind of the other way around. But now I think the, the tide is kind of turning. And we heard Ryan Poles mention yesterday, he said, y'all know where I came from. You know what I mean? I came from Kansas City where we had weapons in abundance, lots of them, Right. And I think that he understands that philosophically in terms of how do you win the National Football League in today's game? And, you know, you you win it on offense. You get a lot of weapons and, you know, you surround a a good quarterback with a lot of weapons that he can use. And so I think that's what the Bears are trying to do. And hopefully they'll be able to keep up. I do think there's a potential for it to be a shootout. But I think ultimately the Dolphins and they're going to have too much firepower for the Bears to keep up with, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Keep it close, right, as, as, as well as you can, and continue to fight like we just talked about. If, if Matt Eberflus can keep this locker room with uh, having the same mindset they've had so far this season, I think they can battle. I think they can stay in some games and maybe keep it close. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they do lack the firepower. So I, I'm with you. I think the Dolphins, if, if the Bears do keep it close, a couple of big plays from Miami could put them away late. How many more wins do you think they get this season? I think they can go down. I think they can get one in in Atlanta. Um, I think they could – they got still got Detroit a couple of times. I always think they can beat Detroit. And so, you know, that could get you to six. And then maybe they still another one that we don't quite see coming. Uh, I don't think they can get Minnesota here. I don't think they'll get Green Bay here. Um, you got Buffalo late. They won't get Buffalo. That could get ugly. That could get out of hand. Maybe they can go to New York and get the Jets. Um, they're certainly having a good season. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I could see maybe somewhere between two and four. I'd, I'd say they'll win three more games uh, and, and, and kind of finish this thing at six and 11, which is where they were last year. Um, but, again, not a, it wasn't really about wins and losses so much this season. I think if they continue to show some fight, Justin, and the real big thing is Justin Fields gets through a full 17 healthy and he shows progress, I think we can chalk it up as a good year for the Chicago Bears. No, that's a good year. That was 
a job number one for this season, right? What can we can we find out definitively if Justin Fields is the franchise quarterback of the future? I'm already t- I'm ready to say yes right now, and so uh, you know, obviously that's up to Ryan Poles and Coach Eberflus to, to to figure that out. But it looks like they're thinking that way. We heard Poles say he likes the direction that Justin is trending in. He's bringing in you know more. Uh, targets to help Justin Fields, and so that's the that's the big question. How many questions can they answer uh, about next year's team? How many these young guys can develop? Can you continue to see Jaquan Brisker play at the high level that he's playing at? Can Kyler Gordon continue to develop? You got Braxton Jones. Listen, if you get 17 starts at left tackle out of a fifth round pick from Southern Utah, that is a win. That is a win, and so you you figure out you know what's what he's going to be going forward. But I think they've they've found a lot of good answers, and I think that's mostly what this season was about. I know some for some reason, like right before the season started, there was kind of this uptick in optimism about the Bears. You start hearing people say they're going to win ten games and eleven games and twelve games, like. Who's going to win 10, 11 games? And uh, I was right at six games to start. I think that's pretty much where they're going to come in at right now. And so, But I think you've seen what you want to see from Justin Fields, and that's most important. You mentioned Jones, and I, I just real quick want to touch on the offensive line. I, you're right. If, they can, if you can draft a long-term left tackle who – this is not a guy who played in a big-time conference. He was a fifth-round pick. Do I think he's been good this year? I, I wouldn't go that far. Do I think he's bad? No, I don't think so. I think he's hung in there and held his own, all things considered. That would be a huge find. Um, how different – we have so much time to talk about this, but since you mentioned Braxton Jones, look, I could see some of the big money being spent at a right tackle, sure. free agent, a center, but – how much of this uh, – and Tevin Jenkins might be a guy at right guard. Like, he might be yeah. a long-term dude there yeah. as well. So, among – let's just play this little quick hypothetical, sure. Herb, before I let you go. Among the five who have mostly been starting, the five or six offensive linemen, how many do you think will be on the starting offensive line next year, week one? Yeah, again, it, this this season is about answering questions for next year. And if you go down that line and say – Braxton Jones continues to ascend, and certainly I'm not saying he's an elite-level tackle right now, but say he's going to be there and Cody's going to be at left and Lucas Patrick is going to be at center, Tevin's at right, and do you find another right tackle, right? Is Larry Borum your guy? Um, I, I don't know. And maybe you bring in other guys for, for both of those guys, right? Maybe right. you bring in another left tackle and you put Braxton on the right side. You do some things like that. But I think that I would say Tevin Jenkins will be a right guard next year. Lucas Patrick will be at center. Um, I think Braxton Jones will be. I think maybe four. I think maybe four of these guys with Cody and Braxton that will probably be starting for this team next year. And if they aren't, if they aren't, then that's a good thing too because it means you've upgraded at that position. But I think all of those four guys have shown themselves to be serviceable enough that you can go into the season with them as starters unless you upgrade at the position, and then that's always a good thing. Long way to go. They're going to have a ton of money. I think one area is the offensive line where that's that's an obvious spot. You can spend some money. We'll see how much. And Ryan Poles, the offensive line background, you hope he can uh, do the uh, proper evaluation of that position. This was nice, Herb. A nice little uh, day out here in the courtyard at Hallis Hall outside the media room. I'm getting sunburnt over here. I got the sun in my eyes. It's early November. It's a beautiful thing. He's Herb Howard from the Bigs. Appreciate you joining me, talking some bears. This was episode 52 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.